Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, I like guns, and I like being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me, and you should know it. Hello, and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 212. This time, I think I got that right. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and tonight with me is Thomas. How are you doing tonight, Thomas? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you keeping? Pretty good, pretty good. So tonight, we are going to talk about turkey hunting, but before we get to that, Thomas, what have you been up to lately? I actually went shooting. Um, I had an a f- old friend of mine from Wheeltrans named Charles, and we had tried to hook up to the range, I don't know how many times over the years. The problem is the shifts that we had were rotating staggered shifts. So like once every four months, we would have consecutive off days, and we tried so many times and we never could do it. And I retired two years ago, and surprisingly, I got a, a call last month from Charles. He'd kept my phone number, and uh, he wanted to go shooting, so it was a blast. And I'm glad he called because it motivated me because I've been stuck in the house with the COVID and waiting for the shots because because of my health, I'm sticking until I actually get the needles before I go back to work. But anyway, I figured, well, if we go late at, late at night, there'll be nobody at the range. We'll have everything by ourselves, so it should be pretty safe. So it actually motivated me to, to clean a few guns. So four or five guns got cleaned, which was good because I've been slacking lately. And uh, Charles had a blast. He did really well with the uh, with the pistols and stuff. And then he really struggled with the long guns. And we discovered, of course, he's right-handed, left-eye dominant. So once we switched uh, switched hands, he, he, he shot really well left-handed. That's good. And uh, he's pumped. He's going to want to get his license now, wants to get into it. I don't know if he wants to go hunting. He just more has an interest in, in shooting. He wasn't impressed with the 22. Uh, he wasn't impressed with the 9mm, but it was a 1911, so it was pretty heavy. But he liked the 45. Hmm. So, yeah, he, he shot 70. He paid for the ammo. Even with my discount, he still shot 75 bucks worth of ammo. Oh, wow. But it was great. It was really nice seeing the guy. Um I've known him for over 30 years, so and he just retired, and he said, "Well, I'm retired now. Now I have the time, so it was great." Yeah, that's great that you got someone out there, and it just goes to show you can really get into the hobby no matter what age you're at. And yeah, Charles is um, not much younger than me. He's in his late 50s, so it's he's just at his time in his life now where he's got the extra time. His uh, his son is. 15 now so he was so pumped we've got another visit plan where he can bring out his uh, his son and shoot so i'm looking forward to that oh, that's awesome yeah it was pretty cool um that's about it though i haven't really done anything shooting wise i've just been locked in working with the dog just walking a lot um last week when we were talking about the uh the whole knives and camera and everything i decided that uh there's a grimsmo grimsmo knives i believe he's in belleville he makes these gorgeous custom knives, but they're like a thousand dollars a pop. So I told Terry, you know, I want this knife instead, and that pushed her off the deep end. That was it. Um, I now have an iPhone 12 Pro. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, 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 just get me the phone, get me the phone. This thing is phenomenal. I, I can't. I actually, uh, I text um, Matt from Geeks Got Geeks Gadget and Gun Podcast, and I asked him about this one. And he said it was a good choice. So I got the extra memory. So I got 256 gigs in here. So I don't have to rely on the iCloud or Google Store or the Google. I can just, once I get everything <laughs> transferred over, I'm deleting all the, the Google stuff I want. That's the thing I like about Apple. They don't track you. They don't. So, but it's it's the camera that I mainly got it for. It's got a fantastic camera on it. Oh, yeah. Have you had a chance to really play with it yet? 
I have. I have. And some of the photo modes are, are quite uh, amazing. You can do uh, – it's like a video still. So I took a picture of Colt – or Colt, that was my old dog, Browning. And when I took the picture, she turned her head. So when you look at the picture, she turns her head, in, and it's still photographed, but she turns her head in the photograph, and, and then it stops, and she looks at you, hmm. which was pretty cool. And I discovered that by accident. <laughs> and then it's got um, what's called a, a LiDAR scanner. And what it does, it uses uh, multiple laser beams um, to range find. So oh. you, can, you can use this camera in almost complete darkness and get perfect autofocus every time because it mm. measures by distance. So I got really excited when I figured that, oh, man, this has got a rangefinder. Well, it's limited to five yards. But <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> but what it, what it can do is basically 3D mapping. So I, I walked around the whole house. It's, it's only bungalows. So I only got two, two levels. I went around the whole outside of the house and the whole inside of the house. And then I can hand you my phone and you get a full 3D tour of my house. Oh, wow. You go up the stairs, downstairs. It's, the only thing it doesn't do very well, like if anything's in motion, it won't, it won't capture it. Um, so if the dog's sleeping, he's fine. But if he's moving, he just becomes a part of the. But I'm playing with that, and I had to download a couple of apps to get some really high quality images. But it's, you can also do um, augmented reality, so you can do these AR sites and games, and you can actually put yourself in. And it's, I'm not into the gaming aspect of it, mm-hmm. but it's got eight, eight, eight gigs of RAM. And 256 gigs of memory. So if I want to play games with this thing, it's if you're a gamer, this is the phone to go for. But the, it's just the, the camera that I like. And it also has, because uh, Terry's got the 12, it only has the wide angle and the ultra wide. This one has wide angle, ultra wide, and a telephoto and some star modes. So once it warms up a little bit, I'm looking forward to doing some shots with this. It's going to be more um, close up. Like I've got my, my digital SLR for the telephotos for long stuff. This will be really nice for up close, especially portraits or buildings and stuff. So I'm looking forward to playing with it. So what I heard is that you are going to be the new Instagram coordinator for New Shooter Canada. I'm, I'm registered with Instagram only because I had to to get access to the TTC thing. So I'm, it actually says I'm in there, but I've never posted anything. <laughs> I'll have to ask him. I could give send, send him out of the pictures. She, she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> oh, that just sounds yeah. That's funny. Don't take it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Josh may hurt us. Uh, I'll I'll move us on out of here. <laughs> so, what about you? What you do with guns this week, Mike? Um. Well, at the beginning of the week, I actually had an interesting conversation with my daughter. She she wanted to ask me a question about dry fire. So yes, of course. What's what's your question? How come you don't go pew 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 when you pull the trigger? <laughs> that is my four year old and God lover. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yep. That's so I had to explain to her why I don't go pew 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 every time I pull the trigger. But yep. Never be afraid to to answer your kids' uh, shooting questions. You never know what you're gonna get. Does, so does she go pew 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 when you pull the trigger? No, she doesn't. She doesn't. She She's not paying attention to me. So this is like part of the reason why it's a bit of a shock that she asked me even asked me this question. But and I don't know like I don't know if she saw a TV show or something like that where maybe she, like another kid was making the noise when they were pulling the trigger or something like that. So she thought everyone should be doing it. I don't know. But so yeah, cute. I, yeah, I thought that was cute. Uh, but. Uh, Sarah and I actually did get out to an IDPA match out at USC. So oh, we had, 
Yeah, it was it was a great match. Um, the range was in beautiful condition. I think the last like five yards was like a swimming pool, but the rest of it was dry and not muddy. It was it was fantastic conditions for having a match in March. So perfect. Yeah, it went great. Uh, had a great time. I shot my P two two six, which was actually my first nine millimeter and the first gun I ever used in competition. Um, I shot it the, my first year of IDPA, including provincials that year. All that right before I switched over to the GP100 and became a wheel gun guy. So it was a bit uh, nostalgic going back to the old P226. What did Sarah shoot? Uh, she shot her M&P Pro. That's her. How'd she, how'd she That's, do? She did good. I was watching some of her video and like her shooting has really sped up. Like actual time pulling the trigger, doing essentially doubles. I was watching her. I was watching the video of her doing it was two to the two to the body, one to the head for an IDPA target. And like her transitions were quick, two to the body, and it was a quick transition to the head where you tend to see, like newer people tend to, they treat it like a whole transition in itself. And it takes a lot longer for them just to aim at the head. But no, she was very quick on the gun and everything was good. And I was trying to tell her that, you know, if she just, you know, moved a little bit quicker in between shooting positions, I think she would really climb the ranks real well. So yeah, I think she did great. Yeah. Well, now the kids are a little bit older, she can get maybe a little more range time. Well, that, that's the hope and dream, but, I mean, kids are still pretty young, so I have a feeling it's going to be a while until we get back to, you know, the, pre, the pre-kids the scenario of us both being able to go to the range at the same time together, so. But, no, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was great spending time with her at the range again. Excellent. So this week's main topic is turkey hunting, which I know next to nothing about. I have never gone, but last year I noticed there were a couple paths that went through my field, like little trail paths, obviously an animal going in and out, but I had no idea what it was. And then at the end of last year, I saw turkeys. I feel like every two or three days walking through the field on that path. So it got me thinking, maybe I'll go turkey hunting this year. But You should. I, I, I think it would be great, I, but I've never done it. I don't know what I'm doing. I know I need a shotgun, and that's about it. So, Thomas, I'll let you take it away and teach me all you know. It's nice that you're actually seeing them because turkeys were extinct when I was growing up. I've never, I never saw wild turkey till I was in my 30s. Okay. Because they're more or less extinct in Ontario. Um, I think it was part of the – I think the Ontario, Federa- Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters were greatly involved in this, but they uh, – 1986, 87 in the winter, they relocated uh, 4,400 wild turkeys at 275 different sites across the province. And, you know, they're really concerned because they, they've been wiped out for a long time. Well, in 2020, the estimated turkey population now is around 80,000 birds and even more hunting opportunities than ever before. Because when the season uh, was first introduced in Ontario, um, you can only go out from my first tag, you can only go out from 7 a.m. to 12. That was it. And then somebody else got to go in from one to seven, whatever it was. So you couldn't even have a full day. And then they eventually put it up to you could have the full day. And now you can actually get two tags. You can't harvest two birds in the same day, but you can you can harvest you can actually get two tags, which is phenomenal. And they've introduced a, uh, a spring or fall season, and there's also an early bow season for them as well too. So it's one good thing about the species is a lot of different hunting possibilities. You've got two different seasons and you can still use your shotgun or your bow. So if you don't have a firearms license and you're not interested, you could still hunt turkey with the bow. 
doesn't matter. So it's, uh, have you ever eaten wild turkey? No, I've never had wild turkey. I imagine that hunting turkey with a bow would be very difficult. Like I imagine most people would use a crossbow versus a bow and arrow. Mm, yeah, well, it depends. Um, I, I know people that use both, hmm. you know, depending how the, the advantage of a crossbow gives you a little more distance. Yeah. A lot more energy. Um, Turkey is one of those animals that you can slip to somebody who's not a wild game eater. Like you can't, I would never give anybody deer or moose and bear and not tell them what it is. Mm-hmm. But you have somebody over for dinner and say, it's turkey. It's still turkey, right? They don't know that it's wild turkey. Yeah. And the, ta- the taste is, is, it tastes like turkey, but it's got a very unique flavor to it. And the way you cook it really makes a big difference. Like um, best way to do, there's two good ways to do turkey. You can um, deep fry it. And Cabela has this awesome Creole seasoning that you coat on it. The dangers of deep frying is that if you don't do it properly, you could cause a fire and burn your house down. So if you're going to deep fry a turkey, go on and see how to properly do it. Because if you put that wet bird in that pot of oil, there goes your deck. So you're talking about doing a whole turkey at once, correct? Whole turkey at once, yeah. Okay. Yep. The best way to cook a turkey, actually, uh, a couple years ago, um, Jim has a smoker. And he smoked some turkey. Oh, wow. And it was phenomenal. And I brought it home to Terry. Oh, my God. She just devoured it. Oh, wow. It just tasted like really, really good turkey. So it's 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 a good thing about that meat is that you can introduce it to other people and they're not going to be turned off by it because they probably eat turkey anyway. Mm-hmm. They're just going to say it's really good turkey. So, yeah, would you say that wild turkey is better than pen-grown? I don't know what you want to call it. Turkey? Yeah, because you know there's not going to be any – well, besides whatever parasites that a normal animal would have, but it's not going to have all the antibiotics and whatever medicines that domestic animals are, are have. The only difference between the two, you might notice that the the breast meat, it's still white. It's not white as white as, say, um, domestic turkey, um, but it's still pretty white. The reason being is that, um, say, when ducks, for example, ducks and geese, their breast meat, it's dark meat. It's really dark meat. Because when they fly, birds that fly, they produce an enzyme that turns the meat a darker color. So since turkeys don't really, wild turkeys do fly, but very short distances, maybe 40, 50 yards, just up to a tree and then back down again. Whereas a domesticate, uh, domesticated turkey doesn't fly at all. Hmm. So when you're when you're seeing that thing of that WKRP in Cincinnati, it's it's true. If you pop domestic turkeys out of a helicopter, they're just going poof. Of course, they're being pushed down by a wash of a helicopter and everything. But that is true in the story. The domestic turkeys can't fly. Hmm. I didn't know all that. I didn't know that that's where uh, the brown meat came from. Yeah, it's just the enzyme. So you can, an older bird may have a slight discoloration to the meat because, you know, it's, it's going to have enzymes produced over the years. But it's nothing wrong with the meat. And it's you don't you barely notice it. But if you put it beside, you do notice a little bit difference in color, but not much. It's not dark, dark, dark like, uh, like a goose or a turkey. Hmm. But it's very tasty. So from what I heard is don't uh, don't barbecue and don't oven bake it. You can. You, you can I would if you barbecue do it slow. If you want to cook it slow. Yeah. Well, that would be that would turn it to essentially smoking. Yeah, a very low heat for a long period of time. Or the deep frying is nice because it sears it all. But you've got to have an internal thermometer to make sure you've got it thoroughly cooked when you do it. Mm, okay. That's the only, only important because there's there's a greater chance of parasites in the wild bird than there is in the domestic bird. Yeah, that would make sense. But, you know, just treat it like uh, poultry, 190 degrees. Is it 190? No, that's that's pork. I have no idea. I'd have to yeah. look at my thermometer. It tells me when it's done. 
Yeah, I think pork's 190. I think it's 175. I could be mistaken, but you know, just get a meat thermometer. It'll tell you the proper or. Yeah, it, but the thing about turkey hunting is that it's a little bit like, um, unlike any other sport. There, there, there is an element of danger to turkey hunting. Uh, first of all, because you're dressed in full camo, you're not wearing hunting or, hunter orange, so you're not visible to other hunters. Um, and especially in the U.S., uh, a lot of the states don't have the hunter training because everything varies from state to state where ours is more or less the same across the country. The provinces will be a little bit different, but the hunter safety course is more or less the same. And there was a lot of hunting fatalities from people hunting turkey because, you, as I said, you're dressed in full camo. Um, people are stalking them and they don't see somebody sitting in full camo and they just see a flash of color. And it's not uncommon uh, in the U.S. or, or especially people that are poaching. And I'm not saying it, it, they don't do it up here, but sound shoot. They'll hear or see something, not identify the target, and then pull the trigger. And there's a lot of instances in the U.S. where people have been killed turkey hunting just because of that. So that's one of the reasons they have the safety rules where you, you want – since you're in full camo, um, you want to have something behind you just in case you are calling. Because you'll have your decoy set up, and then you're in front of those decoys, and then you don't have anything behind you. Well, somebody's just going to see the decoys. They're not going to see you if you've got good camo. So you, know, you really have to be uh, proactive for your safety. When you're when you're turkey hunting, mm-hmm. which is why we had we had the mandatory safety training and everything when it first came out, and I think it's now included in the uh, in the hunter safety course. That's what they tell you. They don't they they don't want you to stalk turkeys. They want you to find a nice position to sit down with, with your back not right up against a tree, but a back no just some some cover just to cover your shoulders and stuff because somebody does walk by and see your setup. They don't see you. You want to give yourself a little bit of cover. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but people don't, you know, people don't think about stuff like that. And you know, you get somebody out there and they hear it, they don't see it, they're waiting all day. Think, well, I'm going to go look for it. And yeah. it's not a good thing to do. Yep. Oh yeah, I understand. Especially if you're on land where you don't know where there could be other people on or not. I should be pretty safe if I'm staying on my own property. You should be, but the the thing you have to worry about is trespassers. And poachers, you could have people on your property that you don't know. I mean, you've got a, a, you don't have a great big piece of property. No, it's, it's, it's not ginormous by any means. You got like ten acres. Uh, fourteen. Yeah, so you could still have somebody out there not not realize it. Yeah, yeah, I guess but it's possible. I think these days, uh, I've had a lot of friends actually catch the poachers on their on their um, camps on the trail camps. Oh yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? If the deer are going there, then the poacher's probably interested in what's drawing the deer in, right? Well, technology has changed a little bit. I know uh, I've known a few people that have actually had their cameras shot out by poachers when they used to be film cameras. Mm-hmm. So they're in there, and all of a sudden they, they see it, they'll shoot it or take it or just take out the SD card. Yeah. Um, prior to that, it was film. So you, you wouldn't – it could be a week before you get up there. Then you have to wait another week to process your film and – Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they're Wi-Fi and they're attached to your cell phone. Yeah, they they sync up to the network. So I I remember I had a friend who had one of those, and yeah, every time that it took like a picture or it he had a limit set. So like it after three pictures, send them to him, and he could just check it anytime he wanted to on his phone. A friend of mine has several set up, and he's got one down the only access road that you can get in there, so you can see who's coming in. Mm-hmm. So you get the plate numbers, and then he's got them set up around the property. I think he's got three or four set up because he's had so many people uh, problems with trespassers. Oh wow! Yeah. It's poachers most of the time. Like if you don't have permission to go on somebody's property, don't go. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you want to do, basically, you, you, you want to get an area, you're going to need an area that you have to hunt. Um, these days, it's kind of difficult to get permission, um, but you'd be surprised, especially up around here, because there's such a problem with coyotes. Um, a lot of times the farmers are more than willing to, to exchange, look, you know, you come in, get the coyotes, I'll let you turkey hunt there. Um, and I've, what I've noticed, appearance makes a difference too. Like last time I, I went at knocking on somebody's door, I had hair done to my butt and I very seldom got permission. These days I walk around, I make sure I have a nice clean dress shirt on, no, no logos or anything. And the last couple of times I've asked, they, they have said yes. So when you approach them, you know, if you go up to the farmer's house or you knock at somebody's door, don't go driving up the driveway with the tunes crank. Go up, you know, very quiet, be very polite, very cordial. And, you know, maybe you can work out an arrangement with them to, to use the property. You know, sometimes you know, I'll pay you or booze or, you know, some of the game meat. But mm-hmm. as I said, with coyotes, if, if it's, especially if he's raising livestock, if he's having a problem with coyotes, you know, he may work out a deal with you. Well, okay, you come in so many times a year and you're more than welcome. Hmm. And if you do something like that, remember, it's only for you. If you want to bring somebody else on the property, clear it with the landowner first, because sometimes they get really checked because, hey, I gave you permission. I didn't give your friend, and then you're off. So yeah, that's another thing to keep in mind, because I've seen that happen as well, too. Yeah. So oh, once, yeah. You get an, say, once you get an area set up, um, it's always a good idea to scout it um, a couple months prior. Like you said, in your property, you notice the tracks. You want to see where the tracks, you want to see where they're roosting. Um, they like sand. If there's a sand patch, they'll be out there just like any other birds scrapping. You want to know, see where they're going into feed, uh, where they're watering down. Um, you know, if you're a new shooter and you don't have a lot of money, uh, a decent pair of binoculars will help. If you, you know, if you've got a lot of cash and you can help put up trail cameras, but I, you know, if you don't have a lot of money, go in there a couple months before season. Hopefully there's no snow on the ground, but you can still see the tracks in the snow and, you know, take your binoculars in, be very quiet, whatever clothing that you're using, maybe it's a good idea to go in and camouflage. Since there's no hunting seasons while you're doing it, I wouldn't suggest go in, walk around in camo when there's an active season already in there. Like when the fall season opens, a lot of the bird seasons are open as well too. So in that case, I'd be putting your hunter orange on if you're walking around. But in the spring season, I don't think there's any other seasons, big game seasons open. So mm-hmm. you can go in. But, you know, just take your time, bring a lunch, just be very quiet and a pair of binoculars and just look where they are. So what, are you, what should you look for? Like I'm, but, it's convenient for me. I know where they're walking by, but if I had no idea and I'm just walking through the forest, what are some typical signs of... Turkey. They dig. They're, they're insect eaters, so they'll be digging. You're looking for holes. You'll be looking for scrapes. Um, you'll be seeing feathers on the ground because they scrap. They fight. Um, they need water, so you're gonna find you're gonna find a source where they're coming to and from. Any water supply, usually, usually if you sit along a grass line or ridge line where they're coming in for roost, they'll go into the field. But usually along the grass line or ridge line, if you hide back in there, you can see them come across an open space. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing you have to realize, they're like a combination of. Uh, the road runner and, and, and an eagle and an owl, they've got excellent eyesight. They've got excellent hearing. They can run faster than Wiley Coyote. They, they, they can like 40, 50 kilometers an hour. They're oh, big wow. fat things, but they can run. Oh, wow. So as soon as they're spooked, they're gone. So you got to really be conscious of uh, not only what you're wearing, but what you have on you. So say, for example, if you go, say, to make an example, you go to Heroes Outdoors and you buy some really cheap camel. That makes noise when you move your arms or anything, you're gonna scare them off. You want and same same with deer. You know, you can get some really nice camel, but you have to think of the noise factor that people don't think about. You want this the quiet fleece. 
Yeah. You want something <laughs> where if you move it all, you're talking because they'll hear it. And oh, if yeah. If you move, they'll see it. Yeah. Yep. I know. I understand exactly what you mean by noisy clothes. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing you may want to take in consideration is, is um, my notes here. So you scout it out, find the area, and figure out where you want your setup to be. So, you, you know, if they're coming, you want to get them when they're coming to, and the time too, because they'll go, they're, they're, they're creatures of habit. They'll go to feed, they'll go to everything at a certain time all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like clockwork, you know, it's, it's instinctual. So just set up your, your blind in a safe location. Um, as I said, the if, you, if you've taken the course, it, they'll explain to you how to turkey hunt, but you want to have something behind you to block. As I said, if you've got a, a set of decoys set up and you don't want to be sitting in front of that spread because somebody who's not hunting properly could take a shot at you. So you want to have something behind you. Um, well, you, okay. you, you just brought up an interesting question. I thought that they got rid of the turkey course. They did. Okay. So, so I think now I, the turkey is actually a part of the hunter safety course. Okay. So myself, who I took the hunter safety, we'll say pre this change, um, do I still need to find some sort of course to go hunt turkey? Or can I just, even though I've never taken it, can I just go hunt turkey anyways? You can go hunt turkey anyway. Okay. But I would suggest, like, there's a lot of sites, Western Ontario, that tell you how to turkey hunt. So they'll suggest about the clothing, uh, what they have behind you. Everything I've just mentioned about, you know, protecting yourself because you are wearing full camel. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing you have to realize is that there are restrictions on the shot size that you can use. So you can only hunt them with bow. And you can only use shot four, five, and six, I believe. Don't quote me on that because I haven't looked like Vegas in a couple of years. Okay. But you're limited, you're limited on the restriction uh, of the shot size for, for turkeys. Are turkeys uh, steel only or are you still allowed to use lead on turkeys? Mm, I think you can use lead on turkeys. Okay. It's not a flying bird. You shoot them over ground. And there's no caliber restrictions? Like, uh, it doesn't matter what gauge shotgun you use? I think it's 12 and 20. Okay. Yeah, 12 and 24, 5 and 6. And, and I assume you can't use any sort of rifle on them? Not in Canada. No? Okay. Yeah, Fine. you can use 20. What was it? Tim was telling me they can use, shoot uh, with 22 Magnums in Texas. Okay. It would be much more challenging to do it headshot at 100 yards but yeah okay so it's going to be a shotgun it's going to be some sort of shot like we're not talking slugs <laughs> um so well what kind of sh- so sorry you already said we should use a 20 or 12 gauge shotgun right yeah um well, well, what, well you need the gun you're going to need calls okay um mouth calls are good if you can master them um what you do is so get them what kind, what kind of calls mouth calls, mouth mouth calls. calls? Call? okay yeah and usually they come with uh, extra membrane. So you actually trim a little bit to fix your mouth or to fit your mouth, not fix your mouth. In my case, yes, fix my mouth. <laughs> and you may not want to practice around your spouse because you will drive them crazy. So what I used to do is just I would just drive to work with my turkey call. Okay. I'd be stuck at a light and people are hearing turkey. Just <laughs> so, so what kind of sound does that make? Like, uh... Well, what you want to do is you want to imitate a hen. Um, you okay. don't want to imitate a gobbler. The problem with doing a gobbler is that, as I said, if people are stalking them, hunting like they're not supposed to, you could actually call somebody in thinking that it's a, a tom. Okay. Um, the, the other thing they also suggest when you take the course is not to use, uh, in the spring hunt, not to use uh, a tom decoy as well. Mm-hmm. The same thing because that's what people are shooting at. Yeah. The other thing is there's a very good chance that if a male turkey sees that decoy, he's going to rip it to pieces. Yeah. <clears throat> 
and they do. When I took the course, um, my friend Kathy's son took the course at the same time. And right at the course, he said, don't buy the male decoys. Well, he bought the male decoy and the three hens. And he went out the very next day, set up, and he got his turkey. But yeah. he also shot his decoy because he, he had to shoot the turkey as it was uh, killing his decoy. Ah, okay. I get you now. <laughs> it saw the other male in it, there with the hens and it just attacked. Yeah. I was going to say, if it brings them in, it brings them in. But yeah, if you're going to blast your decoy every time, not exactly uh, recouping your cost very quick. The other thing you have to consider, like if you if you take the shot, make sure the bird is dead before you pick it up. The reason I say that is turkeys have these fantastically long and sharp spurs on their legs for the defensive weapons. And if you're if he's still alive, he, he, he can do it's like the a dew claw on the dog. Okay. It can do some serious damage. Actually, they can do some serious damage to any animal if they if they get in there. Yeah. What, do turkeys have a tendency to play dead? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Well, <laughs> or, well, only possums that I'm aware of. Okay. You well, never know. Uh, Actually, I got... yes, they do. They do. Because I was up at Kathy's farm 10, 15 years ago, and my dog Ruger took off. He saw this big black thing going across the field. And he just, and it, well, I'm talking like 150 yards away, and he just ran. He picked up whatever it was and he brought it back to me and it was a female turkey and I thought it was dead because it was mm-hmm. just laying there and I told him release, release. He dropped the bird and the bird was there for a second and then bang, it came back to life and it took off like hell. So <laughs> I have seen it happen. Okay. Well, no, that's, that's a good point because you said, you know, make sure it's dead when you walk up. Well, did it have a tendency to – like I, as far as I know, deer don't play dead. So usually no. if, they're, if, if they look like they're dead, they're probably dead. But like if a turkey plays dead, I could see how you could uh, get a surprise of your life. I've never heard them play. It's surprising, like playing dead, but I have seen them do it. Yeah. Just the one. So. Yeah. Well, good life lesson. Now, no, with turkey guns, you can you can get away with anything. Like you don't need to go out. That that's the thing. It, there's a whole genre of turkey guns. I've got a Mossberg 835. It came with the turkey barrel. It came with with the deer barrel. I like the turkey barrel. I like the 24 inch. But you don't you don't have to go out and, and spend all kinds of money on a new turkey gun. You, you can use what you have. You okay. Um, you just have to make sure that you use a full choke. Okay. Because with the turkey, you're not doing a body shot because you know you've got a, a big target sitting there and you're stationary with the target, so you've got an opportunity to make a good shot. So you go for you want a head shot. Okay. And what? Go ahead. So what you want to do before before you actually go out, whatever gun that you're getting, um, you want to take it out and pattern it. You really want to see where that full and extra full patterns are, are working. Okay. You know, and what distances that you think you're going to shoot. So I would normally do, I think 50 would be my max, but I would do like 40, 50. And just the further you go out, so you want to see what's the maximum effective range. Like if you get 35 yards and your pattern opens right up, then then you want to keep your... Mm-hmm. You know, you're hunting under the 35 yards. So what is, what would you define as opening up? Like, is that when you get like a 12 inch diameter circle, 24 inch, like what, if you could give it a number? You'd want them all under, under a foot. You want it to stay at least under a foot. Okay. Like, like 12 inches is what you want, basically. And that, that's your quote unquote, your kill shot. Like that, that's your anything kill shot. bigger than that, then, then it starts getting, you know, wait for it to cut a little closer. Well, you've got even though you've got this long neck, the brain is very, very tiny, mm-hmm. and they're because they've got so much feathers. Um, they they are actually pretty resilient to shots. So you really want to make sure you want to get the, the pattern in that tight area, so you get yeah, a headshot. You want to get a pellet in the brain, basically, and save the meat. 
Yeah. Um, that also brought something up. You said full choke. I've also seen turkey chokes. What is a turkey choke? Turkey chokes an extra full choke. Okay. So this is this is one of those choke patterns where you have to make sure that you're not using steel shot because if you put steel shot through uh, a, a tube designed for full lead shot, you'll rip off the end of your shotgun or do even more damage. So it's, oh, wow. it's important that the choke that you select is appropriate for the ammunition that you're using. Okay. Um, how can, how would I find that out? Just it be should sure. be marked. It should be marked right on the tube. It'll say for steel shot. Okay. Because the the choke constriction on a steel shot is a little bit less. Okay. Lead's forgiving. It's soft. It'll, it'll condense. Steel won't. It'll just take the whole tip of your barrel right off. So. Okay. Uh, is there a preferred sighting system for your shotgun too? Is like anything, whatever you have is good, or do you, should you have like a proper scope? That's up to the individual. Um, depending on your eyes, I, I find a single bead isn't really very effective at that distance for me because there's, unless you know your gun really, really well and you know where that rail and that bead sit, you don't get a very good uh, focusing area. So a lot of guys will put um, like basically a three dot. Okay, I lost uh, fiber, fiber optics. optics. Yeah, fiber optics. But if you put it on, like go inside it in because. You got to realize, too, when you're using a, a tight constri- pattern, that tight, um, if you're off even a little bit, your whole pattern's gone. So you really want to get to the range, dial it in. Um, problem is that turkey loads can beat you up so bad. I mean, they are nasty, nasty, nasty. Um, uh, what size uh, shot shells are we going for then? Two and a, like the three and a half? They go up to three and a half. I wouldn't suggest using three and a half unless you're using an autoloader and like a Beretta with a kickoff system because the recoil on a three and a half is brutal. There's okay. some guys that can, that can take it. I've got a customer who shoots 12 gauge, I'm oh, sorry, 10 gauge. Mm-hmm. And he, mind you, he's like six foot and he's like 300 pounds. But yeah, it's, there's such a high powder charge in, in the, uh, I'll give you an example. I was, when I went to shoot with Charles last Friday, I went in the store to get some ammo, not realizing that uh, my friend had already sold this guy a gun. And I was just you know, getting my own stuff. And I said, and they can help you with. And he was actually going turkey hunting for the first time. He'd never gone turkey hunting. I said, well, you're going to need turkey loads because I've never gone turkey because I've never fired a shotgun before. And I wasn't in there working. I was just going in to get ammo. Come out. I said, oh, well. And I, you know, I educated him about turkey loads and stuff. I said, here's some two and three quarter inch. These will be brutal. Okay. So you really make sure that you hold it properly, lean into it, proper grip. But I said, to get used to it, I bought a box of field loads. I said, if you've never shot it before, I said, go out, play with it, pattern it, see how it likes, and then try the turkey loads. Because he never knew. Nobody ever told him. He just got his license. He had no idea what ammo to get. Or, and I saw I gave him a few suggestions. The problem with the, the turkey loads is that it's so heavy. Um, the recoil force is so heavy. The lighter the gun, the more you're going to notice. Yeah. So if, so if you've got a single shot, um, put some weight in it, recoil reducer. What I suggested to this guy is that um, he bought uh, a nice Winchester SXP pump. Well, he's still going to have the the three-round limit in the tube, but right? there's going to be um, – a shell blocker in the magazine tube with the gun. I said, well, what to do? If you just want to add some weight to it, I said, you, you know, you don't have to get a recoil reducer, get some lead. But I said, you could put weight in the forend. And since you have a hollow cavity in the back, you can put weight in the back end as well too. Mm-hmm. So you, you can add some weight to it. Um, 
I have a Benelli Nova Tactical and I tried three and a half inch load slugs through it. Oh my God, I bought a recoil reducer the next day. <laughs> yeah. And I just don't shoot them anymore. I won't shoot three inch slugs or three and a half inch unless I'm I'm hunting and I need that particular energy. I'll... Yeah. So are turkeys a multiple shot animal? Like are you likely to take more than one shot or is it more like a, a deer it's, scenario where you're going to take one shot and either you got it or it's gone? I'd be prepared for a second shot. Okay. Especially your first time out because you've got all your anxiety and your nerves and everything else. And then you take the shot and they move so fast Mm -hmm. that you might not even have time for that second shot. So be prepared for it. Okay. Yep. But I say if you take it out, you pattern it, you know, you might get some of the body in your shot. But long, you know, you know where that pattern is going to land. Just do up a little bit high. So you just take out the neck and the head. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I said if if he's still, you know, if if he's not – if he's not wounded, I try not to grab him. Just cut his head off right then and there, or wring his neck. Try not to get it. Don't let him get his legs near you. Yeah, yep, yep. That makes sense. But you know, there's there's a whole industry of turkey these days. Everything. There's uh, you only all kinds of you can use mouth calls. You can do box calls. You can spend twenty dollars, ten dollars in mouth calls. You can spend hundred dollars in a box call. The only thing you can't use in Ontario is electronic calls. You can't use an electronic turkey call for hunting. Oh. Okay. That's I just I did read the regs, regs a little bit. And I did remember that part. <laughs> so here's a question: If turkeys are so sensitive to sight, why would someone choose to use a box call, which, from what I understand, requires two hands? So I mean, you're gonna have to do the call and then switch to your, I'm assuming, shotgun, pick it up, shoulder it, and be somewhat ready for the turkey to come out. Doesn't wouldn't all that commotion kind of pick up their eyesight if they're anywhere near you oh definitely definitely that's why a lot of guys like to just use the mouth calls or i've had seen guys where there's a it's a call but it's got two rods in a box and you actually attach it to your front of your shotgun so you're actually holding the shotgun and just your two fingers the one finger just moving the call back and forth oh um, and also they, they do a blind as well too so only basically your head is visible Okay, so they might not see as much commotion. Yeah, might not see as much. It depends on what type of cover. Like you can use a full camel blind; they're not going to see you. But mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't have blinds are expensive. So, you know, so a lot of times we'll make blinds out of local, you know, whatever branches, whatever they have, foliage they have around. Yeah. Okay. And those are, you know, you. I'm going to guess people are kind of like sitting on the ground or sitting in a very low chair, with almost like a little wall around them as as their camouflage. Well, they have the wall in front of them, mm-hmm. okay? And normally, they're going to have either some type of backdrop behind them. So either behind a big boulder or behind a big tree. Something that just gives your cover so people can't – if people are shooting, you're not going to be in, in the path. Yep. And But you put your decoys. So usually, you sit when you sit down, just your eyes are showing. Okay. So with turkey, it's really important to have full head cover as well too. Okay. So you want some sort of balaclava-style – Makes a big, especially if you wear glasses. Um, glasses tend to really refract light, and they will see it. So you can get some of those bella covers at like a screen, and it, it works almost like um, I have a filter in, in, in front of my uh, scope for to get rid of it, the, so they don't see the reflection. It has the same effect on it. Oh, okay. Hmm. And your vision's a little funky with it on, but yeah. And I assume that all this stuff is available at pretty much every local hunting store. 
Oh, it's everybody's exploded. Turkey is so popular uh, in Canada these days. I, I think every manufacturer makes a turkey gun. Um, everybody makes a turkey load. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the good thing about it is that because so many people are doing it, technology, especially ammo technology, there are some really, really nice ammo out there nowadays. Technology has gone gotten it into ammo. So you can get some amazing, amazing stuff. And it's expensive. Our turkey loads aren't cheap. Yeah, so so would you say that it's worth spending the extra money on, you know, stuff that's labeled as turkey, turkey load as opposed to just no, regular loads? No. Honest, honestly, I shoot two and three quarter inch, <laughs> and I don't shoot turkey loads. I shoot just regular with extra full choke. Hmm. Okay, and that obviously that's sufficient. It works. <laughs> Okay. Now, if I had a really nice semi, mm-hmm. I, w- I might go up to three inch, but because I'm using a pump, I don't, I don't like them. I don't like, I don't like getting beat up. I'm very yep. recoil sensitive as I get older. <laughs> okay. A lot of it's too, it's just also you're not getting any, the payload's not getting any bigger in a lot of cases, just your powder charge is bigger. Okay. You know, the projectiles may be shaped a little bit differently for flight, because you can get uh, Winchester has the hex ones, which are great for bird hunting. It keeps a tighter pattern. But you know the premium ammo, it's it's great ammo, but it costs a lot of money. So if you don't have a lot of cash, or any good, um, I would just go up to a high brass. I wouldn't use a low brass though. Okay. Yeah, just get get a don't get a, a light target load. Get a, get a high brass field load, and that should that should, to me it's it's sufficient. I, mm-hmm. To me it's 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 all big marketing ploy for turkey loads, turkey guns. As long as you got an extra full choke and you're putting the, the proper ammo through the proper gun. Yeah, you're good. Now, if you're doing like a super long shot, like, you know, okay, of course, and a turkey load is going to be definitely advantageous because you're, but your pattern is still good, opening up the same. It's just the, the amount of speed that it gets there. Yeah. Yep. So while you're talking about that, um, also what license do I need? Uh, at least here in Ontario, what what so uh, you, hunting? You need your small game license, and then you need the the turkey tag. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because they've changed the licensing systems, and I and I forgot all about this. I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, nowadays you can go to the store, and we'll you can print off one, or you can actually print them off at home, but it only lets you print one. Okay, so make so, sure your printer's ready. Make sure your printer's ready. Make sure your ink is set up because you'd be screwed. You'd be calling the ministry, crying the blues after that. You're only allowed to actually have you know one license in your possession. So what I would do, be on the safe side, I would just scan it and put a copy. So for any reason you lose it, you still got something in your computer to you print off another one. Mm-hmm. The other thing you want to make sure is that they they're very fragile. They don't last. They get wet. They get destroyed, like the tags and stuff. So mm-hmm. don't laminate it. Don't laminate it. Don't shrink it in size. Just Even if you just got an airtight baggie keeping that, people are getting charged for laminating them. People are getting charged for reducing them in size. Oh, wow. Yeah. We've had a few people report last. Because, you know, when people bring in their turkeys or their deers, they, they tell us what has happened in the field. And, of course, they're upset. They've got a nice big ticket because they reduced the size of the license. And Yeah. Hmm. So with that um... – are turkeys like deer where you get a doe or a buck tag or is it just shoot whatever you see? Originally, when it first started, it was males only. Okay. Actually, it, it, that's not the actual wording. The wording is a bearded turkey. 
which entails 95% of the males, but some of the females do have beards. So if you accidentally shoot a female with a beard, you should still be fine because technically no, it no. has long, a beard. Yeah, as long as it has a beard, you're fine. Okay. And like it looks, I'm assuming it looks like an actual beard on a turkey. I don't look at a lot of turkeys normally. Yeah, just it just has long beard. So it, it, the thing is, it could look like a, a young male, and it's really a female. Um, you won't know till you open it up. And if you open it up and there's eggs in it, you're gonna be heartbroken. Yeah. But you can, then you can't waste it. Like you know, you still it's still a legal harvest. Yeah. You, you still have to consume it. And you got some eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. So, like, I assume a like a turkey beard. Did it look like a human beard? Like, is it hair or is it some sort of skin? Like, it's almost turkeys like aren't horse... exactly the prettiest looking things. It's almost like horse hair, like horse long, hair. Okay. long horse hair. And then they have these massive spurs. So, what a lot of guys do when they when they harvest an animal, they'll collect the spurs, um, look or they'll collect the beard. The beards are very, beards are very popular. Um, the most what a lot of guys like to do is do tail mounts because the turkeys have a beautiful plumage in the back. Mm-hmm. So the guys will mount the, the, the rear tail feathers and the spurs and the beard on it. And that'll oh. still cost you like $900 to do that. But oh, jeez, It's a lot that's, of money. Yeah, that's an expensive turkey hunt. So in the spring season, um, you can hunt males and females. Okay. I think at one time it was just Jake's. And I think the, they've also included uh, females as well. Most people don't. But again, don't sorry. take the advice off the guy on a podcast. Check out the Ministry of Ontario's regulations for turkey hunting. Sorry, what is a Jake? A Jake's a young male. Okay. So the females are hand, young males are Jake's. Okay. Okay. So we, know, it, we currently have a spring and a fall season, correct? Mm-hmm. Which is and nice. Is, is one better than the other, or are they essentially the same? Well, you have more hunting opportunities in, in the fall compared to the spring. Okay. And I'm not sure if you can get a second tag in the spring or in the fall. I didn't look. In the spring you can. In the fall I didn't look. Okay. So there's going to be restrictions on when you can or cannot get the extra tag. Okay. Well, no, I, I've heard if you do a spring bear versus a fall bear hunt that they're different because one is coming out of hibernation, one's preparing to go in. So I've heard some people say one's better than the other. Well, yeah, that would make sense because they're, they're putting on a lot of weight. Yeah. So that's why I asked, is there a difference in the turkeys or is it? No, they're, the they're, they're, they're year round. They're, well, they just stay up there. They do the same routine all year round. So they're not affected by it. Okay. Well, you definitely check the regulations because they change. They do change. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, don't laminate anything. The, the, cons- the problem, conservation officers have far more authority than any police officer. So okay. you, you never, ever want to argue with the conservation officer because he can t- take your car, your boat, search anything. He doesn't need a warrant if he thinks you're violating the Fish and Game Act. Okay. So be pol- well, you, hunt, you have your hunting license. Just be polite. Yep. But, you know, they're, they're going to be hunting. They're, they're hunting for stuff to charge you with. So, you know. Yep. Make sure you have everything that you need because that's that's their job. They'll go through all the protocol till they find you on a slip up, and then the fine comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So something we haven't talked about is uh, scents. Um, do I need to use some sort of scent away, or you know, not bathe for three weeks before so the turkeys can't smell me? Any of those rituals I should be looking into for turkey hunting? That's the only thing that you don't have to worry about. 
mind you, I wouldn't be sitting there and smoking a big cigar or a cigarette while you're hunting, but we, I've never seen wow. any. I've seen like deer scent products. I've never seen anything for turkey to mask you. I mean, you can use both. Um, a lot of guys would probably still be very conscious of their scent because they're going to hunt the same way all the time. They're not going to change a routine from one species to the next. They'll do scent-free everything all the way so they don't change up the routine. But I've never heard of having to worry about your scent for turkey, but that's a good question. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, wind direction, things like that. I know when it comes to deer hunting, people get really, really into it about, you know, which way your wind blowing, how you smell, what the deer smelling, are you using some sort of, uh, uh, what's that thing? I remember seeing someone use it once and it's like, pee on a string and the guy just walks and it's dragged behind him yeah to create a scent trail yeah yeah like nothing like that for turkeys at least i've never heard of them having exceptional scent sense of smell but i'm sure they do so i would still like you said downwind you know and i wouldn't create any smells Mm -hmm. um and then there's regulations about food and bait being set up as well too but most people that are are going to go turkey hunting it's going to be a planned event they're going to study it. They're going to get everything ahead of time. They're going to scout. They're going to learn all the regs. They're going to get everything down. Uh, the biggest you know, cost for a new shooter is going to be the course license itself, whatever clothing you have, and what firearm you're going to use. So mm-hmm. you said you, you, don't, you don't have to go out and spend 30 bucks for five turkey loads. You, know, you can get a high brass game load. And what I would do is uh, they sell scale turkey targets. Uh, like three-dimensional it, it, ones or like just a paper no, it's, picture? It's, it's a paper target, but okay. it's a, pa- a paper outline of all the vitals, and but it's the scale of say like a 30-pound or 25-pound turkey. So I, I like using those because then you can see exactly where on the pattern that your your, your pellets are hitting. You know, you, you want to get as many into the neck as possible. Brain shot is good too. If you hit a neck, you'll sever the, the, the spinal cord, but... Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, if you're using an extra full choke and you hit that bird with the extra full choke, you're going to be ruining a lot of your meat. So you really want to make sure that you're, you're, the concentration of your pellets are in the head and neck. Yeah. What's the risk factor of, uh, you know, biting down on one of those pellets? I spit out a few. <laughs> <laughs> so proceed with caution. Proceed with, you'll see the holes. You'll see the holes going through the meat. Okay. Because the, there's nothing more upsetting than realizing that you just wasted good meat yeah i did that once i i was pheasant hunting and it took off so fast and i was so close man i shot it and skinned it at the same time oh wow (laughs) i had a full choke on and i shot him like 10 feet yeah how much meat left (laughs) in that (laughs) yeah yeah but you know it's it's a fun sport it's you can't hunt with another person you can call in birds for another person but you can't have a firearm with you while you're doing it um, or in your possession. You can have your, if you're done and you've got your bird in the cooler and you want to go call for your buddy, just make sure you leave your gun in the car when you do it. Um, communication. If you've got uh, cell phones, radios, make sure they're inside you in your coat and make sure they're on vibrate only. Um, you don't want to be getting text from your buddy and your phone goes ding, ding. And there goes the birds because <laughs> they have excellent hearing. Okay, yeah. But I think that's about it. You know, I, I haven't gone for several years. But we have, uh, and I was going to promote it. I was asking, we have at the store, we have what's called the uh, Turkey Classic. We have the, the, the deer deer hunting contest every year, and we have a Turkey Classic. Again, I've entered every year, and I've never won. But the prizes are fantastic. All you got to do, if, if you get a bird, 
bring in East Outdoor, East Outdoors, wade in, you get entered in the contest automatically for free. Or you can go in and buy a t-shirt and get entered in the contest. But if you get a bird, bring it in because there's there's different levels of male, female each 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 week. So there's not just the one big thing at the end. There's individual prizes each week on what birds are brought in. And uh, we get a lot of new hunters showing up. It's fantastic. Like last year was great. That's good. Yeah, so if you get a bird, if you get a deer, bring it in the store because at least you get a chance to win something. And it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. I didn't realize that's how you entered into that draw. Yeah. Well, you can, I, I usually just buy a t-shirt and get it anyway. Yeah. We can we can enter as staff, but we can't win the grand prize. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we can bring our animals and, and we, then we can buy t-shirts and stuff. And uh, actually, it was uh, was it JT? The guy that used to be uh, friends with Chris from Action Shooting Radio, he entered, I'm trying to think, was it the deer contest or the turkey contest? But not only did he win the biggest thing, I think he walked out of there with like $1,300, $1,400. He won two categories. Oh, wow. And he just came in and just waded in. I'm trying to remember if it was a deer or a turkey. Hmm. But yeah. And I assume that you you want like whole turkeys intact or do you want them no, pre-feathered? Feathered? Just, just gutted. Gutted? Just gutted. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you have to gut them or they're going to start to rot, right? You got to get all that heat out of the cavity. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. So do you gut a turkey in the field or is it because the bird's small enough to take it home and do it at home on the back porch? Well, maybe not if you live in a subdivision. You might have problems with neighbors, but... Yeah, they they, they did complain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I slaughtered a couple of pheasants in the backyard once. The, uh, the neighbor next door wasn't happy with me. Oh. <laughs> I, would, I would do it in the field. Yeah. Because, you know... As soon as that's dead, it's it's starting to decompose, and most of the heat and all bacteria is inside. So you want to cool the bird down fast as you can, and the best way to do it is to, is to clean it. Yeah, you're not you're you're not too concerned about getting anything in there making it worse, are you? No, I usually just usually if I'm hunting, I've got a cooler full of ice anyway. Okay. If I know I'm going hunting, there's there's a cooler waiting in the car, and I'll just take a bottle of water, just rinse it out, and just throw it in there. Yeah. It's actually easier cleaning, uh, plucking it while it's still warm too. And oh, if you okay. really want to do it fast, if you, if you want to clean a bird, uh, it's actually easier to do it when it's freshly killed. Once it 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 gets a little bit harder once it uh, it's dead. Okay. You what you could do uh, if you want to make it easier, if you just uh, take a laundry tub full of hot water, like. Not boiling, but it's hot, hot water, and just soak the bird for a couple of minutes. Get it really, really wet. Get the skin warm, and then it makes it easier pulling the feathers out. Yeah, hmm. good to know. There's, it almost there, it almost sounds like you're going to go from field to kitchen. You know, wife's going to be happy when you're not bringing in a you know an animal that you know looks like an animal that you just shot, saying, "Oh yeah, it'll be good in no time." All we got to do is get it. Well, that's one of the reasons I had like we had the. Um, the laundry room put upstairs, but I still made them put the tub down in the basement just for cleaning birds. So I have the hot water to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> so is there anything else inside the turkey that's considered good meat? Like, I don't know, well, some, heart, liver, can... It's just like any other poultry. Some people like eating the gizzards. Um, I, I'll use them for maybe a gravy, but then I'll take them out. I don't, I don't eat internal organs but yeah a lot of people eat the heart and liver okay i, I imagine I they're like, quite small on a turkey oh they're tiny yeah the brain's like the size it's like less the size of a peanut <laughs> okay. but it's you know it's a very challenging 
uh, species to hunt because there's a lot of prep work before you get it. It's very similar to deer hunting. Yeah. It really is, except it's much smaller. Yeah. I do. Uh, yeah. I feel like turkey is not as uh, economical to hunt as something like a deer is, though. Well, that's the disadvantage because last time I think my tag was $25. Mm-hmm. And then all your gear, and if you really want turkey, you can go to any grocery store and get turkey. But it's it, it's the experience and it's the actual taste. Like what you're eating isn't real. Well, it's turkey, but it's not real turkey. It's genetically yeah. Bred it's been for it's that. been it's been fed a certain diet. It's been bred a certain breed for its trait. Yeah, yeah. just like every other animal really even your fruits and vegetables right it's the same concept that they're going to choose what grows the best the fastest the biggest and looks the best most, most turkey hunters they hunt it just because the meat tastes so good like mm-hmm. i'm not a, i don't i like venison i'm not I, i've got no urge to go i've gone deer hunting i like moose but mm-hmm. I, I did it's not something that i would go out it's so much meat it would never get eaten here yeah but bird hunting perfect pheasant grouse turkey yeah, they're pretty much one meal birds. Yeah, and it's actually something my wife would eat. Oh yeah, that's always a bonus. <laughs> the only thing she'll eat, um, if there's walleye in my freezer, it's gone. She loves walleye, but that's it. Any other wild game she won't touch. Hmm. Interesting. Well, this is a lot of good information. I feel like I am somewhat ready to at least, you know, give this a shot. So hopefully this spring I'll have the opportunity to buy the correct licenses and. Uh, the, the Ontario Federation, see the Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters, they've got a lot of really good resources for for turkey hunting since I think they were the ones that were involved in, in the relocation and reestablishing the species. Um, I went on to just I went online to see turkey hunting in Ontario, and I know how many things came up. We actually have um, I think it's the Ontario Turkey Federation. At one time we had the Wild Turkey Federation in Ontario, um, but it was an American outfit and it got shut down. Um, because they weren't, they lost an uncharitable, non-charitable status. But there is an Ontario Turkey Federation, and I think I actually put a promo on the show a couple of years ago. So there is, there is an organization in Canada. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's called the Ontario Turkey Federation. You can access them. They have fundraising events, educational material, all kinds of stuff. And I should have known better. I should have had it already, and I didn't even think about it. <laughs> but there are good hunting organizations for Turkey in Ontario. Sent him some stuff. He sent me some stuff, and I forgot all about it. But there is an Ontario Turkey Fe- Hunting Turkey Hunting Federation, okay. and I believe they're in Kingston. Oh, that's nice. I mean, if they're on Ontario, I assume they're somewhat yeah. local. But yeah, that's good to know. I know they're they're fundraising events are a lot of fun. Like you can if you go, I think usually the dinners like sixty bucks, and you can win guns and ammo and all kinds of turkey stuff. But their website and their uh, Facebook page have a lot of information for turkey hunters, and they can have a putting through a lot. Connect you a lot more resources than I can, at least. That's good. Yeah. I'll have to look into them and, uh, yeah, see if they have any resources that I can use. So the, the only thing I, I would really suggest for the new hunter is get out there, pattern it first, get used to it. You're going to have some hard-kicking loads. Like you're going to be shooting hard brass out of a full, extra full choke, you know. Just make sure they have a gun comfortable to shoot. Yeah. I will do that, and I will make sure to find some big sheets of paper so I can pattern it. Mm. Mm-hmm. that's it for turkey hunting that's good sounds great you know, 
And the funny thing is, we're talking about it. I've got a box of Winchester Tickerloads sitting on my dresser that somebody gave me years ago. And I've never shot them. <laughs> no. I was going through my top drawer and I found a box of turkey loads. Well, maybe this is the year to go. Do you know, you know why I don't – I was shooting a match one day <clears throat> and one of the guys that was shooting had a really nasty trick pulled on him. The RO was a friend of his behind him and in the shotgun shade stage there was a mandatory reload. So my friend shooting – and he's now shooting light target loads – well, this guy threw a couple of turkey loads into his bag. And you see the guy hitting the target, bang, bang, boom. And I thought his shoulder was going to come off. Yeah. So, yeah. And I've tried them. They're nasty. They really are. Mm-hmm. Then I'm a wuss. <laughs> You're really selling it, Thomas. It's just the problem is sometimes the recoil is so severe, it discourages people from shooting or hunting. I figure out, it's going to be like that. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's about it. Do we have any upcoming events? I haven't checked. I haven't uh, been on the computer for weeks. I don't think we have anything upcoming. I don't know, to be honest. Uh, if you have anything upcoming or you want to send us some feedback, questions, comments, or tell us how wrong Thomas is on how to hunt turkey, maybe you know the best way, or you know the best recipe for cooking that turkey, send it our oh, way yeah. host at newshootercanada.ca our Facebook page, or the comment section on our website at newshootercanada.ca. Excellent. Recipes would be nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually not a bad thing. I hear a lot of people tend to turn wild turkey into turkey jerky. It's very popular. Yeah. The good thing about it is there's no waste. It's such a big bird. Oh, the only thing I was going to say, I forgot to mention. The only problem with eating turkey is because they're on their feet all day and they can run 40, 50 miles an hour. If you enjoy eating drumsticks, turkey's not for you. Oh, man, you got to put those things in a crock pot for two days. That meat, leg muscle is so tough. It is tough. <laughs> Most people don't even eat it. I would I throw it in a cr- uh, crock pot and let it simmer for a long time. Yeah. Hmm. Or maybe something like canning to let it soften up a little bit. Actually, that's a good idea, too. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the dark meat, the leg meat will require some processing. It's you can't barbecue it and eat it. It's just too it's tight. It's tough, tough, tough. Good to know. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Thomas, do you have any shout outs? Uh, shout out to my friend Charles. It was so nice seeing him for I haven't seen him since uh, I left that department, so it'd been at least fifteen years ago. So I'm very grateful that he uh, kept my phone number and kept in touch and decided to go shooting with me so my shout outs to charles time what about you mike uh i have two shout outs first one to the crew at usc for putting on the idpa match it's uh it was great to see everyone again and i'm glad to see that they are pursuing running matches again this year always happy to see because you don't really know what's going to happen with this whole covid deal uh and then the other shout out is to my wife sarah i had lots of fun shooting the match with her the other day and i hope we get to do many more this year i hope so too all right, well, that's everything. Take us on out of here, Thomas. Okay, to next week, keep your barrels downrange and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Well, I really like 22 now. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. Well, like the shiny steel and the polished wood. 
I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns.